You know, I've uh, I've got a confession to make. Oh, that seems like a great place to start. I um, I've been uh, unfaithful. I've cheated on you. Um, have you been on another podcast? <laughs> I have been on another. I was a guest <gasps> on another podcast. Fuck you and the horse you rode in on. Just yesterday. And uh, the curious thing about it was that um, the host didn't mm-hmm. interrupt. <laughs> Nor did he uh, talk about bottoms at all. Okay. And I was a bit I was a bit discombobulated by this. <laughs> I thought this isn't a podcast. This is not what happens in podcasts. Um question the uh, the podcast to which you refer mm. um was it um about productivity? Was it about <laughs> about Italian pronunciation of, uh, of ice cream? <laughs> I figured it was it was was it about tech of some description? No, actually, <gasps> no, what? no. It was about I have uh, have expertise in other areas. <laughs> okay, now it's a good job I'm sitting down because this is coming as this is coming as a shock shock news to me. Go on. Well, what, what was it? It was actually about uh, it was about embodiment. Did you hear the crickets? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think it would have been better if we talked about bottom embodiment. <laughs> Embottiment. Oh, you really will have to. That's a bad joke. I will. I'll cut that thank out. You, thank you. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, that's, that will be just like <laughs> the stinger at the end. Um, <laughs> so on this podcast that you were, you were on, um, you, you were the expert. You were brought in or, or is it a kind of a, combination, a conversation between peers? Yeah, I think it was, it's, um, it's a, it'd been a work thing. And so another choreographer had asked, embodiment is a quite a com- complex thing. And also it's a little yeah. bit, um, it's a bit messy to talk about. It's really hard to talk it, about. It is, um, yeah, I bet. Especially when you're talking about something which is a, you, you know, you're in an audio medium trying to talk about something which is kind of entirely haptic and physical. Exactly. And, but yeah, I felt, wow. I felt like an expert, not an expert in embodiment, uh, but an expert in uh, talking into a microphone when I'm not really, yeah. although this, the curious thing about this was, of course, was that I, uh, I felt like I had some clues about what I you know, that's something I'd researched and thought about, not in preparation mm. for the... No, 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 I think that's your job. Yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah, sorry so, about my cheating, my cheating, no, lying no, self. Hey, listen, if I want unfaithful listeners, I sure as shit want to have an unfaithful co-host. Well, you got one. This is a podcast in which two friends have serious conversations about silly things and silly conversations about serious things. I'm Simon Ellis. And I'm Lee Miller. Welcome to Midlifing. I, I did not go on a podcast this week. I uh, I made croissant yesterday, oh, last night. Did they turn out? Oh, they are good. Homemade croissant. Telling you. Yeah, but it, sh- it is. A, oh, so I guess it's a good time of year to make them, isn't it? Well, we're in lockdown 3.0. There is nothing else to do except keep rolling out your dough and giving it a half fold every hour on the hour for the best part of a day. And do you feel like you're a bit of an expert at keeping the butter inside the boundaries of the of the uh, pastry, the dough? 
the method that I use, which is from um, a, a London-based bakery called Bread Ahead, they did a lot of Instagram baking videos during the first lockdown, and it is incredibly easy to follow. And how are the how are the layers? The layers. The, oh, the, layers. the lamination. The lamination. The lamination. Let's come on. Let's use proper baker terminology. Okay. Yeah. You know, you know the words. I oh, know the words. Let's not patronise our listeners. Embodiment <laughs> lamination. What an episode this is. Actually, oh, no. <laughs> I just remember what I was going to say, which is I thought that maybe you know I was going to say I did a podcast about embodiment, and you're going to say, mm. oh my god, that's what I was going. To, that's what we were going to talk about this week. But no, that's maybe not the case. <laughs> no, 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 we're not. So today is my go yes. to, to to pitch. Um, and we've got <laughs> hanging over us the cloud that is shame. Mm. I remember I used to do taekwondo when I was a kid. No. Yeah. We could talk about embodiment in relation to taekwondo. <laughs> taekwondo is probably one of the reasons that I've got quite open hips because mm. I had a I had a teacher who used to stand. Would, I would sit in what I now understand as badakanasana or butterfly pose or cobbler's pose for those of you who are not up to speed with their uh, their Sanskrit names for yoga poses. And he would stand with his foot on either knee and press my oh, legs yeah, down. Oh, yeah, I've seen all that. That's, that's, you're just yeah. talking about ballet there. Oof. It was full on. But I used to be taken there by David Anderton's mum, and David Anderton was also doing taekwondo, and I think his younger sister also. David did. wasn't your friend who you watched the horror movie with, was he? No, that was nice try. Oh, <laughs> nice try. <laughs> nope. Um, so his mum, we'd go and do taekwondo and she would go to the local swimming baths and have a swim uh, while we were in the taekwondo class. And then we would be driven back home. Um, and she was really cross with David this one particular evening. <laughs> and she said... I told you to go upstairs and get me a towel from the airing cupboard so that I would have something to dry myself with after my swimming. And he said, I got you a towel. She said, you got me a hand towel. It wasn't big enough to cover my shame. And I just thought it was... Oh, it's, you it's remember a, that. I just, it, I just remembered that just now. Um, oh. I just, because I don't know where it came from, but just the idea of something not being big enough to cover my shame. And that it was a beautiful turn of phrase. But also... Yeah. And I was thinking about this walking the dog, uh, about thinking that, you know, shame is this big cloud on the horizon that's coming towards us. Nobody really benefits from having shame, do they? Nobody wakes up in the morning and goes, oh, I'm so glad that I've not been able to let go of that thing that I did five years ago. So I think this might be useful. And, oh, I've got a couple of things to say. Hmm. Which one's more? Yeah, I'll go with this one. So, so Brene Brown is... Um, I think she was a social worker and then she did a PhD and she's, she talks about her research quite a lot, but she, she has a Netflix special. And what's really pretty amazing about her, it's really clear that she really is a good storyteller. Like she's able to look at the kinds of things she's learning uh, in a research setting and then tell stories about it in a quite remarkable way, blending them with personal experience. And so people are really into her. She's, um, she's uh, next level podcasting. Um, yeah, and what, what we aspire to be. No, we don't. Oh, okay. We we aspire to be this level podcasting. Yeah, we are. Okay, we good. are exactly where we, we are, are. Where we need to be. Anyway, she says. Brene Brown says, um, talking about shame and guilt. That shame is something we are, or think of ourselves as being, and guilt is something we've done. And that the difference is vital in relation to how we experience those two things. 
And I wonder what you think about that in terms of, you know, you said something I did five years ago or something we did. You know, yeah. however. Because I can I could certainly rattle off a number of things I've done, which I'm guilty of doing. But the shame part is, I think, how they feed into what I think about myself. Yeah, I think that's a really powerful way of negotiating that difference between guilt and shame. Because guilt is something that you can be absolved of, isn't it? I mean, it, uh, there's there's a religion based upon it. You were baked in that religion. The idea of going Get in and laminated. Saying, I was laminated <laughs> in that religion. <laughs> but going in and saying, oh, I've done these bad things and I need forgiveness. You can have forgiveness if you do these puzzles. It's like a Rubik's Cube for the soul. Um <laughs> I might not have understood the principle very well, but let's pretend for a second. I think they, I think the Catholic Church could have a, let's call it a renaissance, if they... Um, <laughs> if they, <laughs> if they <laughs> that's, that is like, that's shady on so many levels, because the renaissance didn't go well for the Catholic Church the first <laughs> exactly. time around. Actually, that's... That's not true, is it? Because I'm confusing there the Renaissance and the Reformation. So I'm being a little bit of a dick. Yeah. Uh, although the Renaissance still didn't. You, would have, you could have said it either way, and I would have remembered. I just knew there was something funny about using the word Renaissance with the Catholic Church. Well, well, the Renaissance and the Reformation are deeply intertwined, even though I think the Renaissance kicks up a little bit before the Reformation. <laughs> and one is about culture, and one is about religion. There's historians now sharpening sharpening their pencils to drive deeper into their ears so they don't have to listen to me do a piss-poor Wikipedia version of history. <laughs> I've given my career to learning wait, wait, more wait. about Wikipedia. Wikipedia turned 20 years old the other day, and of That's... all and, and wow. everything I've read about it in relation to the internet, it's clear that it's a massive success story. Like it's extraordinary. Yeah. If, if you think about you think about how quickly. Um, social media just became corrupted and totally yeah. ruined by its own desires and the and the inability of people to kind of curb their capacity to show their fucking pieces of croissants on a you know, <laughs> Saturday morning. As academics, and I know we're not supposed to talk about work, but I think it is... Self-imposed regulation. The received wisdom for undergraduate students is don't use Wikipedia as a source because it's not peer-reviewed. But it is such an incredibly rich and generous space and rigorous i love wikipedia so maybe today's takeaway for me is i'm going to stop using wikipedia as shorthand for shallow and no it's, it's not. just it's not anything but. it's anything but shallow i mean it's extraordinary it's remarkable how few people contribute to it like if you think of how massive it is mm. like there's some they're, they're sort of you know come kind of um i want to call them super contributors that that word yeah. super in front of you know anything these days but um you know people who have have spent extraordinary periods of their lives just tinkering away and editing and re-editing and having someone else edit and, and it's an extraordinary process of of humans just pushing and pushing and pushing gently i mean of yeah. course it's had its you know it's had its moments when but but very rare very rare and as you say how quickly social media has become a platform for cesspit a platform, a platform for cesspits. <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't finishing your sentence. I was I quite getting, like it. I, I interrupted late. I know, I, know I, I, I like the idea it's a platform for cesspits. Um, anyway. Well, it's not unrelated, I think, because it's, 
to, to this conversation that we are trying to find our feet with, which is yeah. that versions of ourselves, isn't it, thing? Like this is the mm. – I, I don't post photographs. Well, I don't any longer have an account, but if I did, I wouldn't be posting photographs of something not big enough to hide my shame, for example. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is a very well-worn and very obvious thing to say, but it's – the facade, the superficial uh, nature of it in terms of the richness and the messiness and the shameful aspects of our lives. It's, um, yeah, it's just, it's just so performative. And, uh, but it's, see, the, the th- yeah, I, don't, I think we're mixing up, well, maybe we're mixing up to shame others. I'm not sure that shame is something that is ever cultivated individually i think it's something which is given to us in a variety of ways Mm. and that we carry we absolutely carry it but you know it's it's cultural isn't it it's contextual Mm. we are the recipients of information that results in the generation of of shame within us yeah particularly because we have to be yeah we have to be told that that is something to be ashamed about again if i think of instances where i've been culpable a couple come to mind and i can't really describe them because they are they fill me with such dread i wish i uh, yeah and so I, i can't even i can't even say what they are i mean it's not that i haven't told people about them of course people were in the situation so that we're effectively on the receiving end you might say and in fact, it's not important. Oh, no, I was going to say, I just wanted to interrupt you. And we, one of the things that we've always been really clear about is that we're not trying to use these conversations as a space for for kind of an ersatz version of therapy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. actually it's, telling it's us irrelevant. what they are. It's irrelevant. Exactly, yeah, exactly. That. Totally it doesn't irrelevant. matter what Thank the story you. is. If I think about how it's how I've held on to those stories, I can yes, I can say I was guilty or that I feel guilt for having done those things, right? But it's actually there, the way they have infected me is bigger than the guilt of having done them. It's, yeah. it's the promise. No, not the promise. The possibility or the sense that they reveal a, a version or an aspect of myself that is, let's say it, shameful. Because we're all in various instances and in various ways, living with versions of sh- or shameful aspects of our lives yeah. or the aspects of ourselves that, that, are, um, that we might describe as being, and they're by necessity mostly hidden because <laughs> you need a big towel, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm not quite sure what I'm getting at, except there's just something about how is it that one just gently lives with those various versions of ourselves, which fascinates me. Talk about a lifelong um, task <laughs> to do today, Monday, to do. Deal with shame. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm five days into <laughs> a new regime of dealing with shame. Are you? A regime. It is in the sense that I encountered an idea in the most ridiculous of spaces. So there's a there's a TV show on Apple Plus called Ted Lasso. <laughs> I can't believe you watched Ted Lasso. It's such a great it's such a great show, but it's just like it's, it's so like, not me. It's so not you. It's so <laughs> there not are me, no but... zombies. No, I know, but so okay. So the conceit for the show, who who for anybody who doesn't know, is that there's a, an American football coach is employed by a British football uh, soccer 
a British football association football team <laughs> um, in the Premier League, but the uh, kind of towards the bottom of the league, close to relegation. A fake um, club called Richmond club. Football Club, um, and he is employed ostensibly to turn their fortunes around. But the owner has employed him to try and actually drive the club into relegation and therefore obscurity. That's all sort of played out in the first sort of 15 minutes of the show. I'm not giving away spoilers. And I think there's 10 episodes where it plays out. But How far, how far was... through are you, just out of curiosity? Oh, I finished. I, right. I mainlined that show in a day. <laughs> I sat down and by episode seven, I've never been more invested in football in my life. <laughs> I just, I also love just how I just can only imagine how few of the kind of cross code football football jokes you would have actually understood. Like oh, there must have been I, half the script that just went way over your head. I watched this show, totally fell in love with it. How did you? Um, wait, can I just? I know you're going to finish the story eventually, but how did you? How did you? hear about it and what made you okay. yeah because it seems like it so, like I, I mean i watched it in the summer and there's no yeah, way yeah, i thought yeah. hey lee you know there's yeah. no i was thinking well, lee you it's should an, watch this it's an, it's an unexpected turn of events so what happened was bob had a deadline that she had to meet <laughs> um and i had finished my work for that particular day and i knew that bob would be working until late into the night i don't like to go to bed if bob's not in bed it makes me it makes me sad because i like a cuddle so I like to go to bed at the same time as Bob. So I was staying. I wanted to stay up, um, and I knew I didn't want to watch anything that we were watching together. Um, uh, and you had to find something. So else. I knew I need to watch. I needed to watch something that she would never want to watch. And so I basically picked the last thing on the TV that I would want to watch. You and really? And how how long into the first episode did you think? Oh, about twelve minutes. Really? About twelve minutes into the first episode, and then I was like, "Oh well, I'm finishing this today." It was lovely. Anyway. There was something that I think Ted Lasso says that for him, the most important thing to do was to meet people with curiosity, not with judgment. It was such a clear and achievable offer. Meet people with curiosity, not with judgment. And I realized that I meet or have been meeting people with judgment and without curiosity. I hope you're, about to, I hope you're about to apologise to me. <laughs> no, I think you deserve to be judged. You're probably the only person who, who I'm not going to change. I'm the exception strategy. to your new, yeah. your new regime. You're the, you're, the, you're the exception that proves the rule. <laughs> but that idea... <laughs> but that idea oh, for I me... I love being it, an exception. So. <laughs> it, it, feels, it feels transformative. It feels like... A way that wow. because if you apply it to other people, you also have to apply it to yourself. Because if you can't, if you you know, I'm going to now just to to sort of swing from one one extreme to the other. To quote RuPaul, if you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love somebody else? Can I get an amen up in here? <laughs> and this is where you would say amen. You just have to you just have to insert that. You have to pretend you're me. You want to record it now? Do you want to record a antipodean amen so you can insert it? Yeah, we go. Ah, amen. <laughs> Sorry, let's, let's do it again, but I won't laugh quickly so that you get a nice, easy edit for it. Ah, amen. <laughs> I love that you. Uh, also, you did that, that great thing. Where I you, promised I was going to. Yeah. Use my Australian accent for the entirety of this recording, but I, t- <laughs> I forgot I totally, too. That's... I totally forgot. <laughs>
Yeah, uh, yeah but everything would then, everything would become a question. <laughs> <laughs> I feel good. I, uh, I tell, <laughs> I can't do it because I'm laughing. I told Bob that I was going to do a really bad Australian exit and she said, you're going to need to watch Home and Away again. <laughs> I said, strength. Strike me. <laughs> Strike me pink. Can I, if I pull the knot uh, by approaching people with curiosity and not judgment, mm. is it that you're saying that there's part of shame is a judgment of the self? I think for me, it is. It's It comes from that place where um, where I'm considering myself not to, to measure up where I'm, you know, where I'm, I think that I'm culpable in a way that I can't resolve, all mm-hmm. those sorts of things. I was going to ask, what value does shame have? Like, how is it, for want of a better word, functional or useful? I'm not sure that shame is a useful emotional. I think guilt is, because I think you can actively work, because that's like, that's culpability, isn't it? I did this thing, yeah, and that's resulted in these actions, and I... I shouldn't is, have done that thing. I shouldn't have done that thing. Guilt, in order for it to kind of dissipate, you sort of need to do something with it. I think apologies are great, aren't they? You know, you just kind of go, oh, shit, I'm sorry. That wasn't what I meant to happen. Or I know you asked me to do this thing, and I've not done it, and yeah, I feel I've, bad about I've that. Let you and I'm, down. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 and I can understand some... why I've let you down. It's the, it's the yeah. ex- expression of understanding, isn't it? It's something that you are exquisitely good at. Mm. You're really good at apologising. <laughs> it's because I've, I've had a lot of practice. <laughs> yeah, but I think I could just laugh along with you there because it is funny because it's true. <laughs> <laughs> I love how and, you did. I, I love how you did that. You didn't, and then you did. No, I, because it is true. And I, I have sat with you. I've sat with you. Oh, I sat with you at a table where no, somebody. Oh no. I just cause, no, because it's beautiful. It is beautiful. <laughs> No, I won't. T- no, I'm going to cut it out. But no, I'm going no, to remind don't, don't you. Don't we, were, we, we were at the curator at the bottom of town having lunch. <coughs> and I don't, Jimmy, not, I don't remember the story yet. A guy, but... a, a guy called Jimmy came over and hey, was Jimmy. talking to us. Um, and he was saying, oh, and it's Johnny's birthday soon. Oh, um, and we're going to oh. have a... We're going to have a, a surprise party for him. Don't let him know. Oh, no. um, uh, and I was like, yeah, 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 great, great. And he said, are you free? And I said, yeah, I think I'm free. I think I'm free. Jimmy goes away. Not long after, Johnny comes up, oh. <laughs> sits down at the table, and you say, what's this about a party? <laughs> and, and the moment where Johnny just looks at you and goes, I think, Simon, that's a surprise party that I'm not supposed to know about. He did <laughs> and there was, it beautifully, he did he? It, he did it so beautifully, but, but then it led to you talking about your nickname. <laughs> <laughs> did I mention that? Yeah, can we share it with the Yeah, yeah, my nickname, my nickname is Clunk. Uh, well, it's, I've been called Clunk, which is um, the sound of people's... <laughs> this is the sound of people's jaws hitting the ground because of something I've said. <laughs> I totally forgot that you knew that. I know. I <laughs> but I think what's beautiful is, I know you just said, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm good at apologising because I've had a lot of practice. <laughs> But I also think that there are, I know other people, people who could equally earn the nickname Clunk. Super Clunk. I'm not trying to. (laughs) Super Clunk. Mega Clunk. Uber Um, Clunk. (laughs) The Clunkmeister. (laughs) The Clunkmeister. So, uh, (laughs) 
so there's lots of people who who could who could earn the the title clunk, but they haven't um, learned how to say sorry the way you have. Mm. So you know, the, I think there's something there's something transformative about that idea of of of, of guilt. I think there's that. yeah. To me, it's it is that you know it's that I guess I I said it before or hinted it before, which is the recognition, the understanding of what has happened. Yeah. So the apology has no if meaning. I'm sorry if, which is, yeah. which is the, you know, oh. those are quintessential apologies these days, aren't they? I'm sorry oh. if you were offended. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, that's what you're saying, all. you're accusing them of being um, yeah. too easily offended. Yeah, you know? that's, that seems to be all that public apologies are now. Yeah, yeah, it's the if, it's the if. There's no understanding of what's gone on. I mean, I really like, I really like that, the thing what you're saying about curiosity. I, it's so, I mean, and, and we've definitely touched on this before, isn't it? Which is... It's easy in most contexts, but there are some contexts where how how is it that you approach the person who might inscribe the letters T-R-U-M-P on the back of a manatee? Like what kind of mm. curiosity? To, to go to the kind of the storming of Capitol Hill, to, to talk about the insurrection that happened on the 6th of January, I was definitely in a place of explicit judgment. Yeah, you were, you were livid. Yeah, I think now with a little bit of, distance and also the the recognition that there is there's probably more value to me as a human being to ask a question than to make a statement mm-hmm. in the last couple of days I, I can feel the difference cognitively and emotionally catching myself when I'm when I'm leaping to judgment and going hang about why do you think that might be the case not why might I be judging I'm judging because of 47 years of going what a fucking arsehole stab yeah. him um not quite what I say, uh, but that's the shorthand version mm. of a not particularly longer thought process. Um, so I think I think I can ask myself the question. I think I can meet that with curiosity. Like, why why would you need to do that? What what does that? What's the benefit? What happens? What's what are the circumstances in that person's life that leaves them feeling so either powerless to be heard? Or so entitled that that is a legitimate response to to being. Mm. It's really, I, I mean, I, you know, I mean, the nature of curiosity is just so really beautiful um, because it does imply that loaded into the word is the capacity to ask questions and to to be to be go. Well, what is that? What is going on here? And it's so profoundly different from the the hyper presence of the need to have an answer yeah and i think if we're talking about shame and its profound effect on how we travel through the world how each of us travels through the world then how is it that i become curious about my shame what is that mm. and that's curiosity without judgment boy that's uh i mean you know hard Ooh. oh really hard and i don't and it's not it's not a switch that is flicked it's not an overnight change but i think just to start to say why am i feeling that way why am i giving myself that hard a time about something that i've been carrying for 20 years Mm. did i Mm. did i do anything in the moment or thereafter to try and make amends did i do something to try and shift the narrative in the moment if the answer is yes then i think I shouldn't be holding on to this any longer. If the answer is no, did I learn anything from the experience and did I try to change? Mm. And if the answer is yes, okay, I should probably let that go. If the answer is no, if I am repeating the same patterns of 20 plus years, 
I probably need to do some work on myself. And maybe that will help turn down that, that clanging of shame in my ears. And, mm. you know, I'll let you know how it goes. I'll let you all know how it goes. I don't think that we have really no. been talking about no. shame today. And I think that tells us, you and me, Simon, everything that we need to know, which is that we, we are always at the edge of our expertise when we're talking about know, things. Because I, we yeah. never talk about... You know, you, you, you started today telling us that you, you, were, you cheated on me with another podcast and that you were talking <laughs> about your, your, your genuine research expertise, yes. something that you are actually studied in, something we have never talked about, something that we have actively avoided talking about. Um, and, um, and I think we, we are at the edges of, of, of our capability. And this is a moment where you just go, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if there is anything useful to be added or to be said. Yeah. I think that would frustrate me as a listener, but, uh, you what, know, if we try to fix it or if no, we, or no, just I, think, I think that edge, maybe that edge is, maybe that is, that edge is okay because in a way that's what we're all doing all the time is we're, we're yeah. grappling and wrestling with ideas and the things that are happening in our lives and the lives of other people around us. So um, I was talking to my mum earlier this week. We were talking about legacy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Do you you spring it? Do you spring uh, conversation starters just to test them out for uh, midlife? I do. I do. I like to say, so mum, how do you want to be remembered? Um, (laughs) She said, well, I've got two hand mixers that are still in the box. So that's something for you to look forward to when I'm dead. (laughs) Do you think that's what I'll be looking for? Small domestic appliances. Well, you never know. Good. That's great. I, you've just reminded me when, um, after my dad died, my mother quite quickly, I mean, I'm not minutes, but days, um, <laughs> <laughs> rang, <laughs> rang up Sky to cancel the uh, subscription, thinking, you know, I don't need this now. And uh, the young man on the other end of the phone said, oh, that's fine. And, and can I ask you why you want to cancel your subscription? <laughs> and my mother <laughs> says, well, my husband died. And there's this lovely pause, <laughs> and the guy goes, "Oh, I don't have an item for that." <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a sweetie! Uh, 